0: Hey everyone, I am back in my office. New office. Look, so tropical. Florida out there. It's so beautiful. It's amazing. Today I want to talk about Foucault. Specifically, I really want to emphasize to you the importance of religion and industry in his work and why he focuses on religion, specifically the church and industry, in the way that he thinks about power, because these are central to his understanding of power that is emerging ideas about industry and a much longer legacy of the church and its specific practices of exclusion and confinement. Now before jumping into it, hi, I'm David, I explain philosophical concepts and ideas and ways to make them accessible to you, so if you're new here, like, share, subscribe. I mean, that would help me out a lot. You'll see videos I release every single week, Cough Cough, should be releasing every single week, but I'm my life is quite chaotic at the moment. But. We do all those things you can follow me on other platforms links for all such things in the descriptions and yeah i'm just going to talk about this in terms of discipline in terms of the prison and in terms of mental illness and the asylum specifically how religion and how industry encouraged the creation of these institutions as we know them today So to begin with Madness and Civilization, specifically his understanding and his writings upon madness, he tells us that the treatment of the quote-unquote mad has gone through a number of different stages. It has gone from the Romantic period under the Renaissance, where there was a kind of fascination with madness, with people considered mad, as wielders of an esoteric kind of wisdom. We think here of the Shakespeare, the fool in Shakespeare, who was somebody who held a kind of special power in that setting because of the wisdom that they held, by virtue of being ostracized and having a unique vantage point to understand the familial dynamics that the other people couldn't acknowledge, couldn't see, couldn't understand. So, in this setting, this is we're really, really thinking about this in terms of like the early one thousands, you know, fourteen hundred to sixteen hundred uh, current era. In which we see this treatment of madness take place now from there within the classical age we see instead a transformation in the way that madness is understood and treated it is not a secret site of possible knowledge it is something that must be silenced something that must be confined away sent away into dungeons a lot of the (laughs) a lot of the time essentially to be taken away from society and this would eventually culminate into the modern perspective or modern approaches in which the mad were treated not as being morally corrupt or evil but as being sick needing medical help medical attention that only the right people with the right credentials could actually treat now how does religion and industry play a part here well when the mad were being quote unquote mad were being institutionalized, they were being confined. Many of the people who would actually be institutionalized had nothing to do with madness as we might understand it today. Instead there were people who were lazy, at work, who were unhoused, who were moving around a lot, who were itinerant, vagabonds. It's one of the ways that they were understood. And so we see then that a certain interest was being reflected in the way that people were being ostracized, people were being excommunicated from their own communities and being sent away into these dungeon-like structures and these houses of confinement. They were put there, at least in part, because they were not working properly. They were not acting as the proper subjects of the capitalist economy, the right kinds of workers who would properly sell their labor power and work as hard as they needed to. They would then be sent to these houses of confinement where they would likely live out the rest of their days or just suffer uh, unspeakable horrors. So what about the church? I mean clearly there's something going on here. Clearly the idea about the mad being evil has something to do with the church and it really does. And Foucault points out that much of the way that people feared the mad and madness was motivated by the belief that the mad were sinful, that they had committed some kind of sin in their laziness. And so we see here that there is an implicit attachment between one's salvation in the potential afterlife, in, you know, after after living, through one's having worked. Hard work makes for a good afterlife. It's a great moniker. It's a great way to convince people to work hard, because they are being threatened with the punishment of eternal damnation. And so these people then, being treated in this way, being kind of cast in this way, viewed in this way, would then be associated with a kind of Satanism. They'd be associated with being evil. Therefore, further justifying their need to be taken out of society, their need to be cured in these spaces, or even if not cured, just simply gotten rid of. So it's important here in this way to understand how industry, how the church motivated the new treatments of mental illness that Foucault identifies in the 17th and 18th centuries in France and in England. Now we see something very similar go on in terms of punishment with the prison, where he identifies that within uh, really 18th, 17th century America, when the Quakers in the Northeast were trying to oppose European English practices like the death penalty, what they wanted to do with criminals was not to treat them as something that just be gotten rid of. They believed fundamentally that within every single criminal was the possibility of retribution, a possibility to undo their sins of the past. And so they believed that incarceration, they believed that institutionalization was a way by which to take the criminal outside of what they viewed to be an impure society. They thought that society was the site of impurity, that were making people sick to become like criminals, more specifically, making people evil to act like criminals. So what they needed for the Quakers and their religious influence, what they needed was to be taken away from society and left alone because that was the only way to furnish really a kind of therapy session with God. It was the only way to have that kind of pure interaction with God away from the distractions and harms of everyday life, of social life, of city life, of the world. Now in terms of industry, well, we just need to look at the idea of the Panopticon itself. The idea of the Panopticon comes from Jeremy Bentham. Specifically though, Jeremy Bentham's brother owned like docks, I think, or had some stake in docks. And Jeremy Bentham's brother did not like that people were breaking his stuff. And so Jeremy Bentham was like, okay, we got to find a way to control people without necessarily forking out more money in terms of surveillance to have more guards around or whatever. We need to find a way to make people behave without costing us more, and hence was birthed the idea of the panopticon. The panopticon, for those that don't know, I've done an episode specifically on it if you're interested, but the panopticon was a a structure devised by Jeremy Bentham in which there's this, it's a circular structure, and the circular structure hollow in the middle, kind of around, think of like the Colosseum, maybe something like that, where along all the walls in the circular circumference part are prison cells. And then in the middle is a watchtower, except the prisoners cannot actually see if there's someone in the watchtower, so they're just left to assume that they're always being watched. And you know, if they step out of line, they'll be punished. And so it doesn't take very long for them to always be fearful of that watchtower. So this very idea of increased surveillance was motivated from a burgeoning industrial economy in which there were these new emerging capitalists, this new emerging bureaucracy, this bureaucratic system, that wanted to keep track of people so that they would keep making their profits. And they wanted to find the best way to maximize surveillance and maximize discipline without costing them more. And hence we get the idea of the panopticon here and the very impetus behind, you know, large-scale surveillance that we have today and locking people away who fight against or who pose a challenge to our current ideas about property, about ownership, about industry, about proper work ethic or anything like that. So it's I, th- I just think that it's important to kind of understand these various influences, specifically understanding the role of the church, the role of industry in Foucault's work. And of course, the same can be applied to his understanding of sexuality in the clinic. If for some reason you really loved what I did here, I can do the same thing for the clinic and for sexuality. Just let me know in the comments. Let me know what you think, like, do you buy it? Does it conflict with what you already knew about Foucault? Is there something about it that I missed? If you want a more in-depth explanation, I've broken down pretty much all of his texts. Uh, So you can go and listen to those if you want a more, you want a deeper dive into this stuff. But if there's anything I omitted, let me know. But tell me what you think. Like, do you believe it? And on that note, Take care.